This is the Falcon Twin Podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan, and this is commentary for pages 264 to 271, a mini-podcast. Actually, I just didn't want to have a single podcast that covered two different chapters, so I'm just going to stop early this time. And besides, you got a nice long show last time, so what are you whining about? Page 264. Shocking turn of events, because absolutely no one had any idea there was going to be a fight between Mika and Sydney. And so there's something that I like about fight scenes, is that it's basically that I don't have to draw backgrounds very much. And, you know, basically, here you get to see that in action. You just have some swishes and some fancy colors, and it looks like they're moving around very fast and stuff. Originally, in this entire fight scene, when Mika and Sydney were going to fight, I was going to use the same two colors, the red and the orange, that I was using back when they were in the curio shop a few pages back, and Mika and Sydney were kind of at each other's throats, if you will. And I tried to do that, and it just didn't look quite right, so I ended up going with a different color scheme. I just ended up using some kind of hue saturation thing to move it all into a different direction. And it ended up looking okay. Also, on this page, you can see in the fight where Mika and Sydney on panel four have these sort of flashy, leafy things in the background. That's not sparks from their swords clashing. I know a couple of people thought it was, and it wasn't. It was just sort of a profound anime thing that was really pretentious that I picked up and tried, and it, I don't know. Some people liked it. I think it's sort of dumb. It doesn't look awful, but I still think it's a little bit too self-conscious. Otherwise, not a bad fight scene. It doesn't flow quite as smoothly as the fight scene that Mika had with the two bandits way back in Chapter 4. But, uh, you know, it's not bad. You can kind of tell what's going on. Page 265. The fun continues. Indeed it does. We see more of the same happy swishies. Mika and Sydney still fighting, fighting. And at the very bottom there you can see Tresca. So she gets to see what's going on. Of course, Evan and Annika are out at their hotel doing whatever they're doing. Mika and Sydney are fighting. And you can also see in the second to last panel here that Mika's enjoying herself. And we all kind of know what that's a precursor to. Page 266. Snap, crackoom, pop. You know, sometimes it gets kind of difficult coming up with clever titles for these things. And Sydney's screaming, just die already, freak. Or at least she's about to, because that's something that she likes to scream to Mika, until she realizes that Mika's got the glowy eyes again, and she's in trouble. Nice effect of the blast on the second-to-last panel here. You get to see it from a slightly different perspective. In a way, I'm kind of disappointed that you don't really get to see much of Mika in the second-to-last panel, because I drew her entire body, and I shaded it all, and I spent a lot of time on it, and yet it all gets covered up by the effect. But the effect looks pretty good, and it has a sort of rippling water effect that I was aiming for, and also carries that on from the last time that it happened towards the end of chapter four and also on this page Tresca gets to see Mika doing this and so she is in on Mika's secret you know, along with Sydney. Page 267 girls interrupted so Sydney's on the ground now very nice shot of her luscious ass and also some nice effects on the sand in the background actually very nice effects where you can kind of see the footprints in the sand very subtle a little bit of grass poking through there too also, if you look, you can see a little bit of scratching on Sydney's skin, some on her face and a little bit on her arm, just to indicate that she's been roughed up a little bit. Looking up, very nice position. I, I like her look a lot in this particular panel, panel one. Panel two, so there's Mika and a whole bunch of people behind her. You can see Mika's hand is damaged now. And actually, I think this is the first time that you can see what happens to Mika's hand when she does this. It sort of blows off the outer layer of skin on the front surface of her hand. And so for once, Mika gets to, <laughs> it's Sydney which Sydney doesn't take to very well, and they're about to keep fighting with more of the pretentious, leafy, glowy things in the background, now with a little blur on them, which looks really bad. Yet someone's about to stop them, and the person who stops them is... It would be visible if not for the background. 
page 268, the blame game. Now this is a fun page. This is one of the few pages that I still think is actually kind of funny and cute in a way, especially because it really drives home the whole similarities between Mika and Sydney. In the first panel, you can see how they both look very similar, and they got almost identical expressions on their faces. And then their behavior in panel three is really funny, too, where they're both doing almost exactly the same thing, and then cap it off with, she started it, which is almost like something out of a, a cartoon or something, like an anime thing. And you can also, if you look at their dialogue in the background behind them, you can see that it's slightly different between Mika and Sydney. They're both saying about the same thing, which is, you know, fuck off and leave us to our fight. But Sydney's is a little bit more about, you know, I'm going to rip you to pieces, and Mika's like, why are you getting on my case? Because I'm doing the right thing. And the police girl, who never really had a name, I didn't have a name for her myself, and everyone just called her police girl, she really is on top of things and has already compiled a huge list of offenses that the two are guilty for and tries to take them under arrest. You'd think she would know better with Sydney, because clearly in the next page you'll see that she does know who Sydney is, but I guess she really can't just let them go off. So she's giving the orders in page 269. Sydney's not really terribly receptive to them, and the police girl is kind of stuck in a position where she kind of has to assert authority, because if she doesn't, then, you know, what's to stop Mika from just walking off too? And certainly with a whole crowd of people around, it wouldn't be very good if people just realized that they could tell the police to go straight to hell, and the police wouldn't do much about it. So the title of this page is just a little bit of history repeating. I was trying to remember what it was that this was referring to, and I think it was referring to what happened in Chapter 1, where the lead terrorist says, you know, give the police a warning, and of course it turned out badly for them. And then in this case, it's a similar situation where the police girl is telling the other person to give her a warning. And the girl says, yes, ma'am. If you look, you can see that there's a different number of stripes on their sash. The head police girl has three stripes, and the other ones have two stripes, just to indicate their rank. The police girl, the chief, also has bars on her collar to indicate that, too. So the arrow gets fired and is speeding on towards Sydney, and page 270, Ode to a Red Shirt. The away team will consist of myself, Mr. Spock, Dr. McCoy, and Ensign Ricky. Ah, crap. Anyway, so the arrow isn't going to hit Sydney. They weren't intending to hit Sydney, but it was supposed to be one of those things. Fire a shot across the bow situation, and it didn't really work out either. So part of the thing about this, even though I know a lot of people found it far-fetched, was to sort of illustrate how powerful Mika is kind of by proxy. The idea being that if Sydney is able to do all these amazing things and Mika is able to keep up with Sydney, then by extension Mika probably could do some pretty amazing stuff too. And so Sydney deflects the arrow and knocks it straight back into the girl's eye, which is sort of amazing in a way. And she, of course, is now gone. Nice little blood dripping in the background on panel 3, too, behind Sydney. It sort of looks like blood dripping down walls of a, of a large blood vessel that's being backlit. Very interesting. And someone was asking if I had an eye fetish, and I, because I guess the arrow hit the girl in the eye, and I don't know exactly what an eye fetish is. It sounds kind of gross. But no, I, if I do have a lot of bad things happen to people's eyes, it's just because it's a very awful thing to do to a person is to stab them in the eye. And so that's why a lot of people end up dying that way, I guess. And so Sydney sort of loudly and disingenuously goes off saying how great she is. Interestingly enough, thank God no one complained about this, but if you look at the direction she's actually going, she's just walking straight towards the water. And if she did continue in that direction, she'd you know tumble headfirst off of the promenade that they're standing on, 10 to 15 feet down to wherever the restaurant or the beach is beneath them. 
the whole thing about Sydney's dialogue in the second to last panel is that she's raising her voice and sort of putting on an act about being cheerful, which is not the last time she'll do this, and I'll talk about that probably on the next podcast. And then finally, in this page, Sydney says that she's going to see Mika soon. A lot of people just interpreted that as, I'm a main character, and I'm going to be back at some point in the indeterminate future. But no, actually, this is a reference to what was going to happen with the police girl in the next scene. Next page. So having left Mika there, Mika is, of course, entirely too law-abiding to fight the police, even if she could get away with it. And, I don't know, she probably wouldn't at this point. She, She might. Anyways... Even if she were capable of doing it, she wouldn't do it, because that's not her style, unlike Sydney. The title of this page, You Have the Right to Breathe, You Have the Right to Blink Freely, very nice reference to Excel Saga. The police grab her and take her off. Mika asks about her rights, kind of understandably, but guess what? It's not a liberal democracy where they live, and they don't have rights, and they don't have a constitution or anything like that. And so Tresca gets to see Mika taken off, but she doesn't get to follow her right away, which is why she doesn't show straight up at the police station later on in the next scene. So that's it. That was kind of a short podcast. I know. I'm sorry. If you want something else to listen to, go listen to dreamstation.cc. They have a good podcast. Or shortattentiongamer.com. They have a good podcast, too. And coincidentally, both of them are celebrating their one-year anniversary this week. So actually, I think Dreamstation is next week. So go there and congratulate them on that. Coming up next, Chapter 6, Butcher. Just in time for me to introduce Chapter 7, Martyr. And I will talk to you next time on the next exciting episode of the Falcon Twin Podcast. So there.